from Mark chapter 11, says this, And Jesus answering said unto them, Have faith in God. Everybody say, have faith. You ever heard that phrase, have a little faith? For verily I say unto you, that whosoever shall say unto this mountain, Be thou removed, and be thou cast into the sea, and shall not doubt in his heart, but shall believe that those things which he said shall come to pass, he will have whatever he says. Therefore I say unto you, whatsoever things you desire when you pray, believe that you receive them, and you will have them. For the next couple of weeks tonight and then next week, I want to talk to you on this title, The Power of Faith. So let me ask you this question. When Jesus said, whatever you believe that you need to have when you pray, believe that you will receive them and you will have them. So let me ask you this rhetorical question. Do you really believe that with all of your heart? Now, some of you probably do. And the rest are like, is this a trick question? <laughs> Not a trick question. But if we did, how much different would our prayers really be? If we believed that anything that we prayed and believed God for would be ours. How much different would our prayers be? The truth may be closer to this, is that we believe God is a miracle-working God. We have to believe that because we're apostolic. But we often take the most difficult things in our life to other sources for assistance. Why? Because we lack faith in God. I remember years ago hearing a story about an old-time Pentecostal preacher. This was, I was told this story Back in the early 90s, and this allegedly happened 30 to 40 years prior to that. But this particular apostolic preacher did not believe in doctors. Now, I believe in doctors. We, we just got through praying for the doctors. Luke himself was a physician. He wrote one-third of the New Testament. Actually, wrote more than the Apostle Paul did, if you count Acts and Luke, as far as sheer volume. That I could go on and on and on about that. But I believe in doctors. But for whatever reason, he didn't believe in doctors. He got bit by a brown recluse spider which uh, should have been deadly. And for the life of him, he would not go to the doctor at all. Instead, he laid in his bed, and he was hallucinating, and he was really bad sick and believed God for his healing. And you know what? He, he pulled through. Now, you might say, well, that was just his own internal immunity system fighting. Well, maybe so, but to him, it was a miracle. And he saw in his ministry many signs and wonders. And it wasn't because that he didn't believe in doctors. It was because of his great faith in his God. Now, you may argue, well, I have faith. Well, of course you do, or you wouldn't be here tonight. You have a measure of faith. So theologically, yes, we have to believe that God can. Because as, as I said, we are oneness apostolic. All that stuff Lance Appleton said. I'm a one God apostolic, tongue-talking, holy, <laughs> thank you, believer in the liberated power of Jesus' name. Sanctified in the spirit, blah, 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 et cetera, et cetera. <laughs> Amen. We are apostolic, and we have all seen, or at least most of us have seen miracles, notable miracles happen in, in our churches. And maybe, maybe you've seen them in this church, and if not, you may have seen them in other churches. You've been around long enough. So you may argue, I have faith. Yes, you've got, you have a measure of faith. But practically, do we have faith for our specific circumstances and the most difficult things in our life that happen to us. We often accept the reality of many situations 
instead of the truth of God's word because we lack faith. Look at John 17 and 17. Jesus said, sanctify them through thy truth. Thy word is truth. It may shock you to know that in all the entire world, there's only one capital T truth that you can ever count on, and that is the truth of God's word. Whoever said the customer is always right apparently never had to work at Walmart. Because the customer is not always right. The customer always thinks they're right. And that's the difference. Their reality is their perspective and how they see things. Reality is not truth. Because reality can change with our perspective. So how then can it be truth? We've all seen little 30-second clips on the internet of somebody getting beat up or some officer beating up some poor, poor guy. And what you don't know is the other side of the story or the full story that you don't always know and can't always know. And sometimes that is the story, but many times there's a lot more to the story. I would say most of the time there's a lot more to the story than just that one little 30-second clip. But that becomes reality and that becomes facts and it fires people up. Because that's, that's their reality. Perception is reality to the one in the experience. But whose reality is truth? And whose perspective is truth? If reality can change with perspective, then whose reality is truth? Whose perspective is truth? Reality is always subjective. It's subjective to the one that is in the experience. Okay, so reality is based on perspective and also our past experiences and even our surroundings, the things we were brought up with or the things that we weren't brought up with. If, for example, if somebody had grown up uh, maybe not in church and they grew up in a bad home situation and they are, as a result of whatever happened as a kid, they grow up to be extremely insecure and somebody passes them by and does not shake their hand. That person's reality is they ignored me, even though it's probably far from the truth. Whereas the reality of the one who didn't shake their hand was, I had a million things on my mind that day, and my kid was beating up my other kid in the back of the church. I needed to get back there to play referee. Now, that was their reality. Two totally different realities, totally different perspectives, but in their mind, their reality is the facts. But... Reality cannot be trusted because it's always based on our perspective. So what do we trust in? Well, we trust science. We trust the facts. Okay, then. I'm not going to ask for a show of hands. Again, I'm not attacking doctors tonight, but all all doctors are well-meaning and well-intended. But how many doctors have been wrong in giving out diagnoses in the past? Or sometimes... You know, I know people that have been told by doctors, you've got six months to live, and then they go on to live another 30 years. Or they've been told, you have cancer. Sometimes even diagnostic tests can be wrong. Things cannot show up in tests. They can say, you're all in the clear when you're not all in the clear. And the other way around, you know, it, it can show that there's something bad happening, and there's not something bad happening. That happens all the time. Technology I know this is a shocker for you, so brace yourself. 
Technology is not perfect. Windows and Mac computers both have issues. I don't care if you're apostolic or Windows apostolic. You're going to have issues with computers and with technology. It is going to happen. Doctors can be wrong. Tests can be wrong. Even science is wrong a lot. For example, many, most people, if not, if not every person for, for thousands of years thought that the earth was flat and that the earth was the center of the universe. They thought this for thousands of years. Now, you would say, well, we're so much smarter now. We know, oh, you know what? What are they going to be laughing at 500 years from now about the things that we believed? Science today in many public schools still teach that man descended from pre-mortal soup that climbed up on its own out of the ocean. And that the entirety of the cosmos was created out of a random bang that happened. And nobody knows what even caused that bang. For centuries, the practice of bloodletting was popular. Where if you would go to any particular doctor for a disease... They would just simply take your blood out because that was the problem. They'd take your blood out until you probably passed out. And then you'd go and come back in a couple more days for another blood. Leg. And that was, that was the, the latest and greatest things that they did. You ever heard of the Salem witch hunts? Lasted a year from 1692 to 1693. Over 200 people were accused of witchcraft. And 20 were publicly executed. The facts stated that they were witches worthy of execution and death, when in fact probably none of them actually were. Certainly not worthy of death. Even history itself, history cannot be trusted, as it's told in many schools today and is written in many history books. In many cases, there is a political leaning to their version of history and what they want you to believe. In fact, the Roman Catholic Church has gone on record as changing their own history books to hide a lot of the burnings and tortures they committed throughout history in the name of Christianity. And on and on and on and on and on we could go. Unfortunately, you can't believe most of what even the mainstream media says anymore. Nearly everything is politicized to assist political leaning views of those that are at the top. You remember many years ago, whenever the city of Ferguson, Missouri, which is a suburb of St. Louis, turned into a war zone, was that 2009, 10, right around that time frame? And you remember the whole heads up, don't shoot fiasco, where this, this particular gentleman apparently got gunned down by, by a police officer, and the mainstream media, as they reported it, said he was lifting his hands up saying, don't shoot, don't shoot, don't shoot, when oh, apparently the police officer just opened fire. And because of, because of the mainstream media's reporting of those things, all hell broke loose in Ferguson. And it was turned into an absolute war zone. They burned down buildings. A little nine-year-old girl was shot in the head while she was sleeping. Unfortunately, it was never reported by the, at least it was reported, but not on the front pages at least. Uh, they were shooting, they were killing each other, they were, they were killing police officers. It was a war zone for several weeks it lasted. And the media was fanning the flames. And then when the truth came out, they very quietly backtracked it. But very quietly backtracked it. So now, again, I'm not attacking the media because I know there are a lot of good, solid journalists that are out there, thank God. But a lot of what you hear reported in the news 
has, has a politicized leaning to it. So, can we trust the facts? And the answer, of course, would be, how do you really know that you have all of them? Half a truth is still a lie. People all the time think they have the facts because this agency told them or the CDC said this or CNN said this or Fox News said this or they read it on the internet. It's my favorite thing. I found it on the internet, so obviously it's true. Duh. Or their doctor said this. Well-meaning people, of course. But if we're honest, there's really only one thing that we can trust 100% of the time, and that's sanctify them through thy truth. Thy word is truth. The only truth in this cosmos is the only thing you can ever stand on, and that is the Word of God. That's it. Nothing else. Everything else is hit and miss. So you might have truth about a certain, you might have all the facts about a certain situation, that's good. But at the end of the day, you really can't be sure that you've got all the facts about it. Because, again, it all goes back to perspective and reality. So what is truth? God's word. Neither facts or perception are always correct. But God's word is always right. God never misses and doesn't need facts to confirm his word. Faith in God's word speaks things into reality. When you understand and get this truth deep into your spirit, that whenever you pick up that book, everything in that book is 100% gospel truth. And it can absolutely be trusted when everything else says. Because you know what? Back when they were saying uh, that the earth was flat, there was a verse in, I think it's in Proverbs, that talks about God looks down on the circle of the earth. And, 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 and there were things, that, you know, like there's a verse in Proverbs that talks about how spiders have hands. And, and, and it lays hold uh, and is in king's palaces. And for years, scientists laughed at that until the microscope was invented. They discovered that a lot of spiders really do have tiny little bitty hands that can't be seen with the naked eye. And, Pro and Solomon wrote that 3,000 years ago. God's word is truth. Now, sometimes it takes science a little bit to catch up. But... But God's word is always right. Genesis 1 verse 2. And the earth was without form and void and darkness was upon the face of the deep. And the spirit of God moved on the face of the waters and God said let there be light and there was light. Now what was reality? What was the facts? If we had been around at that time we would have looked around and you know what we would have saw? Nothing. Blackness. Darkness. There was absolutely nothing. The earth was without form. Even after God created the earth, there was a period of time apparently when, when the sun was not there. And that was probably the ice age where, where, where everything was cold. Obviously, there's no sun there. So the earth was without form and everything was dark and there was no life anywhere to be seen. That were the facts. That was the reality. But God did not see it like that. Everything was that way until God spoke. And then God's word trumped the reality of that situation. And instantly, just like that, everything changed. And you might say that the miracle of creation was waiting on faith to come and speak it into existence. And I say to you tonight that there are things waiting on you tonight to start believing God for. Your faith activates the power of God's word. 
You know, the reason why many of us don't have prayers answered is because we're not praying for specific things when we go to God. Instead, our prayers are filled with worship and praise and, and oh me, you know, we always have those oh me moments where we just complain to God and God forgive me and, and, and we pray until we feel good and prayed and saved up or good and prayed up and saved and then we're done. But there needs to be a time where we bring our needs before God. Supplication, Paul said, make your request known with thanksgiving and God will hear you. From Isaiah 55 and verse 10, look at this verse with me. He said, for as the rain comes down and the snow from heaven and returns not thither but waters the earth and makes it bring forth and bud, that it may give seed to the sower and bread to the eater, so shall my word be that goes out of my mouth. It shall not return unto me a void, but it shall accomplish that which I please. It shall prosper in the thing whereunto I sent it. Now here's what you may not know is that crops were often watered not just by the rain in biblical times, but often by the snow on top of the mountains. Now, how would that be? Because farmers would often place their crops at the base of mountains or in valleys. And snow would come in the wintertime, and without fail, snow would always come. And because it was cold, it would freeze on top of the mountain. But then spring would come, and the weather would change, and eventually... Through the weeks and the warmth, that snow would melt and the water would come down on the mountains and water the crops in the valley below. Even during dry seasons with little or no rain. In the same manner, God's word is often frozen in time until it's appointed season and then it comes to pass. But it's during that waiting time that we lose faith. And we quit praying and we quit believing and we quit marching around those walls. Why did God want Israel to march around those walls of Jericho? Because for seven days they marched around once a day and then the seventh day they marched around seven times and what, 13 times? For seven days they had to do that without seeing any results. And they must have looked like idiots. Fools. And you know what? Sometimes... God puts you in a waiting room and he gives you a word and he says, I'm going to bring this to pass, but not now. And it tries your faith. Just as the word of God tried, you know, the Bible says in Psalms that God's word tried Joseph. God gave him a word when he was 17 years old that didn't come to pass until he was 30 years old. For 13 years, his life was in a reversal process where it seemed like it was going the opposite direction of what God had promised him. He was unjustly thrown into a pit. He was beaten up by his brothers. Uh, and God knows what injuries he would have sustained having been thrown into that pit. He was sold into Egypt. He was falsely accused. He was thrown into prison. And he was forgotten there. Until one moment. It only took God about three seconds to turn all that around. Pharaoh had a dream. God was working all along. Joseph just didn't know. You know what? God's not always going to tell us how he's working. But I've got faith that he does. Because here's a secret about God. God is never doing nothing. <coughs> I know it's try, it sounds like a, a, a silly Facebook meme, but it's true. God is always up to something. Even when we don't see it. He's always working in some way. 
even though we may not see it or understand how. We want to drive through miracle, quick and painless, and without any sort of struggle on our part. You know what drive-through food is? I know you know what drive-through food is. It, it, it's fast unless you go to Chick-fil-A. And then the line is wrapped around the building like 78 times. And people are still waiting because that is some good chicken, man. Except for on Sundays. That's the kind of miracle we want. If we want God to heal us of something, or we want God to do something for us, we want some preacher to come and lay hands on us, and just like that, because you know that takes away the pressure off of us, we don't have to do the hard work of continuing to believe God like Joseph when everything was going in the reversal of what God had promised him. And you know what? In the darkest of darkest of nights, when God gave you a promise, the sun is going to come up. You've got to sing like that little bird because it knows, it knows, it knows that any moment now the sun's going to come up. It might be the darkest hour, but the darkest hour, they say, is right before dawn. So you've got to sing like that morning bird. And you've got to praise God and you've got to keep marching around that mountain. That's how faith is built. That's how miracles happen. The woman with the issue of blood, she came to Jesus and she touched but the hem of his garment. That would have been the tassels on his robe. She was not allowed under the law of Moses to touch anything holy. Anything or anyone that would have came into contact with that woman because she had a constant hemorrhage of blood would have also been considered unclean under the law of Moses and would have had to go through ceremonial and ritualistic cleansing. It was for that reason that the multitude was pressing around Jesus. And even the disciples probably would not have allowed that woman to come near and touch him. But she pushed her way past. How many people did she come into contact with as she was pushing right past? She said, I don't care. Let the law say what it will. But I've got a miracle. I need a miracle. She pressed her way into it. And Jesus stopped. And he said, who touched me? And the disciples said, the, the whole, like there's hundreds of people around you. They're thronging you. They're, they're violent. You're trying, everybody's touching you. Why are you saying you touched me? And Jesus said, no, this was a different kind of touch. This was, a, this was not a drive-through miracle touch. This was somebody's been believing me for a long time and waiting on me to come by. And now her season has happened. Her season has came. And you know what? We let a lot of things push us away from Jesus. We, we let doubt and fear, and we let even, you know, even logic and human reasoning, you know, turn us away from the things that God would, would want to bring into our lives simply because we lack faith to keep holding on. But real faith knows how to wrestle with God in prayer and not give up because of circumstances or facts. As they've already established, facts cannot be trusted. Reality cannot be trusted because you don't know the whole story. God is always up to something. Abraham's reality was that both he and his wife were too old to have kids. At 100 years old and Sarah was 90, he thought the time was past. But still, he believed God. 
So the Bible says Sarah's womb was dead. But God gave Abraham the promise at least 20 years earlier. You're going to have a kid in the 80s, still pretty old to have a kid. Sarah would have been 70 years old. I'm, I'm 49. I don't want to have a kid. At 49, my wife's 42. I know she doesn't want to have a kid. Much less if I was 100 years old and she was 90. Lord have mercy. The miracle we don't talk about is God gave them energy and strength at that age to have kids. That might be the and face it. Yeah, that might be a bigger miracle. <laughs> but God's word contradicted reality as it usually does. Because God is the God of the impossible. I'm gonna make a statement. I hope you remember. We say nothing is too hard for God. And the when the reality is nothing is hard for God. Nothing is hard for God. When you are talking about a God that spoke the entire cosmos into existence with four words. Let there be light. Just like that, everything was formed. You know, we talk about the Big Bang Theory. I believe in it too. God spoke and bang, it happened. That's, that's, the, that's, the, that's the God Bang Theory. That's the real bang theory. That's how it happened according to the word of God. Well, that's silly. That defies logic. Well, yeah, duh. Because you can't trust logic. You can't trust reasoning. You can't trust facts. But you can trust God's word. It is always right. If God said, I'm going to heal you, then you pray until God either says yes, no, or wait. But if you keep praying, and if you keep knocking, eventually he's going to answer. He's going to speak something. Now the other side of that is, when you're asking for things, you need to make sure your heart is clean. Don't ask for a bunch of nonsense, you know, go give me a bigger house because Jones is across the aisle. They got a bigger one than I do. Pray that covetousness out of your heart. Pray until your spirit is right. And then, as your spirit and your heart is right, God will change your desires to match his. And then you can pray things that are according to his will. And then your prayers can be answered. So if you want a healing, ask God for it. And do more than ask. Believe God for it. And don't stop. Amen. I remember, you know, I grew up with, you know, in this particular church. I'm not going to tell you where it's at. It was, the church I grew up in was not... The church I was attending for a, for a season as a young kid. I was nine or ten. There was a family in our church. They had six kids, and there was there was a girl that was a good friend of mine. She was nine or ten years old, I guess, about my age, and she had a horrible limp. And this was late seventies, nineteen seventy nine, eighty, and it was so bad that you know she had to have special shoes made. Her hip would hurt her constantly. And, and, you know, I remember her, her being made fun of in school a lot. You know, they, they, kids may, would make fun of her. And, but what I remember most is her mom always took her at the front to pray. Pray for my daughter that God would heal her. And, I mean, at some point, it gets to be like, I mean, it wasn't just like Wednesday night. It was like nearly every Wednesday and every Sunday. Pray for my daughter. Pray for my daughter. And God never healed her. But I can tell you right now that as an adult, she is normal, and God did touch her, but it wasn't in their time. 
You see how this works? If God gave us everything in our time, how would that build our faith? Because the idea is, is that God gives us a word, and that word is going to try us and to test us and stretch us. And God puts us in the waiting room. So God's word contradicts reality. He dwells in a dimension that is above the reality of our dimension and is not shackled by facts. Why do we let our faith become shackled by facts when we know that he's the God of the impossible? In the book of Samuel tells a story of a concubine of Saul whose name was Rizpah. And this is told, this is borne out at, right around chapter 20 or 21 of the book of Samuel. And after Saul had died, uh, again, it's, it, it's a long story leading up to this, but as it turned out, seven of Saul's sons were hung on a tree. And two of those sons were Rizpah's own children. And the Bible says that Rizpah stayed in that spot and would not let the beasts or the jackals or the hyenas, by day, she would have fought off the crows. And by night, it would have been the lions and the jackals and the coyotes and the hyenas. How did she, how did a single one for six months, Scripture says, for six months, she stayed there. And her request of the king was, come and take my children down so they do not get ate by beasts and give them a proper burial. That was the request of King David. How did this skinny little concubine fight off everything? Well, first of all, if you really even got to ask that, you don't know the power of a mama. There's that little mama bear thing. Yeah, that's real. <laughs> we've, we've, some of you have seen it in action. But, but how, how did she fight it off? She fought it off with her bare hands. She didn't have a sword. She didn't have a slingshot. She wasn't trained in war. She fought everything off with her bare hands. You're not going to touch my kids until the king finally answered her request six months later. We would have, you know, if, if that had been many of us, you know, rather that pictures how we ought to pray for our miracle. Because as we're praying, we're believing there are things that the devil will send along to fight us and try to get us to move. There's the reality of the situation. There's doubt. There's fear. There's all these different things that Satan wants to throw at us. But you got to fight those things off and you got to stay there and you got to keep fighting until the king extends his request and scepter to you. And you've got to do it with the confidence that he has a perfect time for your miracle. From Luke chapter 18 and verse 1, and he spake a parable unto them to this end that men ought always to pray and not to faint. Saying, there was in a city a judge which feared not God, neither regarded man. And there was a widow in that city. And she came unto him, saying, Avenge me of my adversary. And he would not for a while, but afterwards he said within himself, Though I fear not God, nor regard man, yet because this widow troubles me, I will avenge her, lest by her continually coming she weary me. And the Lord said, Hear what the unjust judge says, and shall not God avenge his own elect, which cried day and night unto him, though he bear long with them. When Jesus said, men ought always to pray and not to faint, he wasn't talking about the practice of communing with God daily in prayer. But he was talking about praying and believing for the things we desire from God and continuing to believe God for them, despite 
what it may seem like at times when it seems like the answer is no. Don't faint or get weary of believing and accept reality as facts because it hasn't happened yet. Just have faith in God. Sometimes you got to look around and say, well, I don't understand all this, but i got faith in God. I don't know how this is all going to work out, but God gave me a word or he said in his word he's going to do this, and I believe God for that. And you believe God until he says yes, no, or wait. You believe until he speaks to you. Sometimes it will come through a prophetic word right into your spirit. And even those words, you've got to try it. The Bible says we ought to try things to see whether they're from God. Try the spirits. Because even the devil can come and, and, and give you a false word. But you've got to try it. If you're prayed out, if you're believing God, and if you're walking in faith, then there will be a witness with your spirit with that word. And God will bear witness with that in your own spirit. Okay? So you, so you pray until God says yes, no, or wait. And when he speaks, then you do what he says. If he says yes, well, you're going to get it. If he says no, well, it's for your own profit, and he may not tell you why. If he says wait, that means not now, but in the future. And you keep believing, and you keep believing, and you keep knocking out that door, and you keep pounding. Like, like your dog, whenever you're trying to eat dinner. Dogs are scavengers, man. They're brutal. They're so good at guilting. Anybody, how many have a dog? Dogs are expert guilt trippers. The cutest little eyes look up at you as if to say, hey, man, what about your old pal? <laughs> you know it's not good for them. And like dummies, we, we cave in. I'm sure you don't. It's just me probably. But, you know, you have to be persistent with God. Because some things are not an instant miracle. We love those. Others are a work of faith on our part. Sometimes God gives you a word and he wants you to exercise your faith regarding that word. You'll have to exercise your faith to realize some of the blessings that God has for you. How do we exercise our faith? By doing what I'm talking about tonight. By praying and believing that God is going to give us this and never doubting for a moment. And as we exercise it, our faith gets stronger. And that's the whole point of the exercise. Let me ask you this. Are you currently believing God for something really big in your life? And if not, why not? We tend to ask God for the things according to our measure of faith. And so oftentimes our needs are small and our requests are little because it matches the level of our faith. And whether we realize it or not, it matches the perception of how big we think God really is. And we say nothing is too hard for God. Well, the, the, the underlying implication is that some things are hard for God. They're just not too hard. The reality is there's a lot of things that are too hard for me. There's a lot of things that are hard for me. There's a lot of things that I can't do. But there is nothing that is hard. For God. It's not hard for God for, for to change your situation just like that. He can do it. And it won't even take hardly a second thought. And furthermore, God is a planner. And whether you realize it or not, you're not just casually strolling down the lane somewhere just waiting for God to give you your miracle. God already has a predetermined season for it. You're going to walk into it. That's a word for somebody in this place right now. I feel it. That God has a season for your miracle, but he wants you to wait and keep believing him for it. 
And don't lose faith because you're in the waiting room and it seems like things are in reversal. Lift your hands for a moment right now. Yeah, let your let your voices out for just a moment right now. Lord, increase our faith, God, right now. Forgive us, God, for not for not really fully believing you, God. Forgive us, Lord, for not having complete faith in the things that we ought to have faith for, God. Amen. As the musicians come, so why don't we ask him for bigger things if we really believe that he can? The answer is, of course, that we don't simply, we don't have enough faith. If, if I had a billion dollars right now, and I came up to you and I said, ask anything you want, and I'll give it to you. And you ask for $10, you're not that smart. Because i got a whole lot of things I want from a billionaire if he said that to me. Well, you know what? God is not a billionaire. He owns it all. There's nothing he don't own. There is nothing too hard for God. So why are we living like paupers when we are children of the king? Why are we listening to the voice of the enemy? Because the devil will come... In, in the waiting room season, and he'll whisper, God doesn't love you. God is a, God, he'll always say, God's a liar. And those voices are real, and, and it is from the enemy himself. God always backs up his word. Amen. Whenever, whenever Peter said in, in, in his epistle, in 1 Peter, he said, you know, we were there whenever Jesus was baptized, and we heard that voice from heaven. Remember what that voice said? This is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. And Peter said, that was, that was the witness that we needed for that season, for that time to know that Jesus was really the son of God. But then he went on and he said this, we have a more sure word of prophecy. You know what that sure word of prophecy was? What was written in his word. What was Peter saying? He was saying that what is written in your Bible is a more sure word than if you heard the audible voice of God from heaven. Think about that. We have a more sure word. Because if we heard a voice from heaven tonight that said, I'm the Lord that healeth thee, boy, there'd be an altar call like you've never seen in this church. Voice, Michael the archangel came down and he spoke. You know, stood here in shining brilliance and said, I am the Lord that healeth thee. Come up right. You'd be whoop. The truth is, we got a more sure word than that. He already put it in writing. <laughs> he put it in writing. And God sent me here with the word tonight to encourage somebody that said, You got to keep believing. And you got to keep trusting. And you got to keep having faith. Because your season is coming. It'll come at the appointed season. It's an appointed day. It's not just some random day that God's getting up and saying, well, I wonder if they're worthy to get this today. No, it's a pointed day. It's coming. You just got to have faith and believe. Let's stand to our feet. Lift your hands again right now to the Lord. Ask and you shall receive. Seek and you will find. Knock and it shall be opened up unto you. For he that asks receives. And to him that seeks shall find. And to him that knocks it shall be opened unto you. 
In the name of Jesus right now, Lord, let, let us receive this word as a church, God, right now in the name of Jesus, God. Let your word go forth, God, and not come back void right now. Let it be planted deep within our hearts and spirits, God. Oh, I want you to come down to the altar tonight. If where you can stay where you're at and just kneel and pray, just find a place to talk to God tonight. The power of faith. Thank you, Jesus.